So just as a way, by way of introduction, the Bible says that we're supposed to follow in Jesus' steps, okay, in 1 Peter 2.21. But what exactly steps should we be taking? There's a lot of different things that we could think about, a lot of different things that we could talk about. But um, obviously, we know some of the basic steps of the Christian faith. We need to walk in the Spirit, and we need to pray like the man Christ Jesus did. Okay, we ought to love the things that Jesus loves and reject the things that Jesus rejected. Um, but one of the things he said as well, uh, along with following in his steps, like Peter says, is he says um, to push, take my yoke upon you. Okay, and um, this yoke that, that, that we're supposed to wear, um, what's supposed to drive us? You know, a, a lot of people, um, you know, do religious works and things like that, and they're, they're constrained, like our memory verse, they're constrained by what we call the law of God, okay, by rules, by regulations, by step-by-step, step, these kind of things. But the Bible says that we, when we put on the yoke that Jesus has, we're constrained by the love of God. And love is a much more motivating thing than the law is, okay? So, you know, obviously, um, what I'm maybe correcting one of my kids and stuff like that, I'm saying, you know, I, I need you to do what I say, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, and that is not very motivating, but if I'm encouraging them to do things and I'm saying, come on, let's do this, it's much more positive for them, you understand? And that's, that's the, the joy of the gospel. The, jo the, the gospel is we've got, rather than the rules, we've got the relationship with Christ, okay? So um, you already know this month is, month is missions month. So one of the steps we're going to look at this morning is Jesus' burden for the lost, okay? Um, um, the Father constrained him when he came to this earth. Okay, he says in Luke 12, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Okay, so that love that we're talking about, the love of the Father, helps him to decide what to live for. He said, I delight to do thy will, O my God. And that love shaped his everyday actions while he walked on the earth. He said, I do always those things that please him, that please the Father. Okay, so obviously the, the encouragement or the application is that we need to be constrained by that very love this morning, and like Jesus would tell us if he was here this morning, the Bible says, go and do thou likewise. And Jesus said that after you told the story of the Samaritan. Okay, so we want to just look at how is he so determined and how can we develop the same burden. Okay, so you guys are already in John 4. I should have turned to John 4 um, while I told you. But basically, I'm going to skip on a bit. John 4 talks about, um, it gives the account of when Jesus went to Jacob's well, and he talked to um, the Samaritan woman, okay? And he told her, obviously, um, like in verse 14, whatsoever drink, but whosoever drink it of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then, uh, you know, the conversation goes on. The woman is touched by the word, and her heart is soft, and um, she's convicted and uh, I believe she ends up getting saved and she goes back home and tells them, you know, uh, what does she say there? Um, come see a man that, um, uh, I see that, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Okay. So Jesus has been doing this. He's been thirsty. He w went to the well for water, I presume, right? I don't even know if he got the water, right? <laughs> okay. So if we pick up in verse 31, it says, so John 4, 31, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said his disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him out to eat? Jesus said unto them, 
My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then come at harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that whereon ye bestowed no labor, or the men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. So I'll just pause here. I'm just going to pray. Father, I pray that you bless our time this morning, Lord. Uh, I pray that you'd help us to get through what we need to get through, Lord. Um, and I pray most of all, Lord, that your spirit would help us to understand and that we, we would be moved, Lord, in an internal way. And um, just by your word, by your spirit, um, just to, to look at our lives, Lord, to look at our love for you. And um, Lord, just to, to draw close to you this morning, Lord. I pray that you'd help us. And again, Lord, I pray that you be with Pastor as he preaches in America as well, Lord. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, what was this? How was Jesus so determined? Okay, so what, basically there's three points. I'll give you my three points here. The will of God directed him. The lack of God moved him. And the joy of God motivated him. Okay, so, uh, you know, when we do preachers' workshops, they say, say what you're going to say, say it, and then shut up. <laughs> That's what Pastor teaches us in the preachers' workshop. So the first one, Back to verse 34, all right? The will of God directed Jesus, okay? And obviously there's going to be applications towards us. Verse 34 says, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work, okay? So obviously, you know, if you've been in your Bible at all, you've, you've heard the phrase that Jesus came and he came to die. He was born to die. We had that theme one time a couple of years ago at Christmas time. Jesus had been given a mission before he is born, and Jesus didn't want to disappoint. He came to fulfill God's will. And as I said, I mentioned that first already in John 8. Um, he came to please the Father. And whatever it was that God willed, Jesus was willing. Okay? So what was he willing to do? He was willing to bear our griefs and to carry our sorrows. He was willing to be wounded for our transgressions and to be bruised for our iniquities. Because this is what God wanted him to do. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, it pleased him to do those things. Um, and this is what Jesus did. Um, and, and furthermore, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. God said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Um, so Jesus obeyed, basically, in giving his life a ransom for many. And as it says in Hebrews, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Okay? So you've heard that phrase, where there's a will, there's a way, you know. So Jesus was willing, and it, it motivated him, and it directed him, okay. And furthermore, in, in this verse as well, he says, to do the will of him that sent me, and he said he wanted to finish it, okay. So, you know, being faithful is one of the key tenets of being a Christian. Being faithful, staying around, <laughs> okay. Staying in love with Christ, staying soft. The Bible says in John, to keep yourselves in the love of God, okay. Um, in 1 Corinthians 4, I won't get you to turn there. Moreover, it's required of a steward that he be found faithful. Okay? I don't know. I didn't say that um, verbatim, but that's it. if you turn to 1 Corinthians 4, you'll find that there. Okay? So, you know, when we talk about these things, we talk about Jesus, we talk about how he just obeyed and he just finished the work and he was able to say, it is finished. But, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but in the flesh, you know, sometimes when we read these things about Jesus, we go, of course. It was Jesus. I mean, what else do you expect? Okay? 
But me, oh, that's a different story altogether, okay? But do you know that Jesus was 100% man, the same way that he was 100% God, okay? And um, turn to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, we'll read a scripture here. 26.41. Jesus is um, he's praying, I believe, is in Gethsemane. And at 26.41, the previous verses, he's gone and he's um, prayed and he comes to his disciples and finds them asleep. And then he says in verse 41, 26.41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he makes a phrase here, he says, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is weak. <laughs> you know, Paul says, In me, in that is in my flesh, you know, it dwells no good thing, okay? So, though God was in the flesh, okay? It was flesh. He was a, he was a real man, <laughs> okay? So he experienced weakness and lack of strength, okay? If you, um, in Hebrews 4, it says he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He understands, and not just because in his head, you know, like, it's not all theory for him. He experienced it, and he felt that lag, and he felt that weight and that burden that it, that it takes to, to, to push ahead and to do right and to obey. Obeying is never easy, right? And that's why the Bible says, you know, um, you know, in Hebrews 12, it's saying about when we're corrected, you know, don't let your arms hang down or whatever. I, I forget what the phrase is. He's saying, um, look ahead and see that once you get corrected and if you take it well, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So, again, for, for Jesus, he hungered and thirsted, just like we said there. He skipped the meal because it was so important for him just to witness to someone, just to say something. There was someone that was in need, and she was lost and away from God. And he didn't decide to have lunch instead and let her go away home and not talk to her. He did something, okay? Um, and he, he didn't live, you know, like um, when I was growing up, we had this game called Super Mario Brothers, right? <laughs> I don't know if you, you know that game, whatever, and you're, you're always going to the right this way, and you jump and all that kind of stuff, and you're trying to squash stuff and collect coins and all this kind of stuff. I don't know if you've ever played it. But, um, you know, we... Jesus' life wasn't like when he, you know, there was these little power-ups that you get. There was a star in Super Mario Brothers, and when you got it, the music went faster. And, you know, nothing could hurt you, nothing could harm you, and you're just like, you know, some, sometimes they call that, in some computer games, they call it God mode, you know. But Jesus didn't live in this world in God mode. He didn't, you know, the, the Satan came to him and he said, look, you're hungry, turn these stones into bread and have a sandwich for yourself, basically is what he was saying. And Jesus said, I'm not going to tempt God. I'm not going to do that, okay? And Jesus said, okay, well, or Satan said, go up and jump off of this thing. And he said, I'm not going to tempt God, okay? I'm going to live by the word of God, and I'm going to do it the right way, okay? And in the same way, that makes it possible for us. Because if Jesus did all that other stuff, we would be able to write it off and say, Erisher, of course, he's the son of God, uh, you know, of course it was easy for him or whatever. But Jesus lived the same, in the same burden, in the same flesh that we are, in that same way. And of course he did it perfectly agreed we're never going to attain to that but it's supposed to make it more attainable for us that we can follow his steps because the bible doesn't tell us to do impossible things per se right it's impossible when we try and do it in our own strength but it's not impossible with the spirit for with god all things are possible okay so i've probably gotten ahead of myself here he didn't want to disappoint he was determined to be obedient and he was determined to stay the course so next point hopefully i'm doing okay here <laughs> Verse 35, if you're back in John, oh, I'm sorry if I'm going too fast, but we had multiple sermons this morning. 
And I don't want to keep you here till 2. Does anyone want to be here till 2? I didn't think so. All right. Verse 35, John 4, 35. This is our second point. It says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then come at harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, for they are white already to harvest. Okay? So Jesus had a burden for the lost. Of course, we already said, because of the will of God, and that directed him. But in this verse here, we see he was moved when he looked around and saw the people around him that he was trying to reach, okay? It says, lift up your eyes. Turn again to Matthew, just while you're there. Maybe hold a space because we're going to come back for verse 36 in John 4. Matthew 9. I hope I'm not going too fast, I'm sorry. Matthew 9. We'll see a little bit more um, about this fields white unto harvest and lifting up our eyes. Matthew 9.35, it says here, Matthew 9.35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Okay? So what did Jesus see when he looked around? Okay? You know, he said in the other verse, John 4, lift up your eyes. Okay? So what did he see? We read here in verse 36 when he saw the multitudes. Okay? So he saw multitudes, huge crowds of people who didn't know God. So many people having no hope and without God in the world who were running out of time and needed to be saved. Multitudes who without, sal- without salvation, as Jesus said in, in the book of John, shall die in their sins. And if they die in their sins, they're not able to go to heaven. And Jesus knows that he'll have to say, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 9, it is appointed unto men once to die and after this to judgment. So the Bible teaches us that there's no place for repentance after we step into eternity. Okay? Um, there's no more opportunity to become born again to see the kingdom of God, that's another thing that is finished once our life is ended. So there's an urgency there. He saw multitudes of people. And, and then again, he, was, he saw multitudes in verse 36. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. Okay? Um, um, they fainted here. So he saw basically suffering or weaknesses, infirmities. He saw people miserable, crying out for help, burdened with the troubles of this imperfect and cursed world. Okay? He saw, like, if you if just... With, uh, look through a quick overview of the Gospels, you'll find so many people that Jesus ministered to, to that were in need. Desperate parents with sick children. You know, the, the one where um, uh, the guy came to Jesus and he said, I, I'm with your disciples and they couldn't do anything. If you can do something, please do something. You know, and around that time then, the, the boy, it says he fell on the ground and he wallowed foaming, the, the devil's hair at him. Okay? And Jesus said, kind come forth. Um, come it not forth, but by prayer and fasting. Okay, there was someone in need. Okay, there were people with, stricken with disease. Um, in Mark tonight, um, Jesus ministers unto a guy who was a leper. There's people mourning. You remember Jesus was walking and he was going somewhere, and this uh, it says the bier, this uh, like a coffin or a like a little bed was being carried out, and it was the son uh, of uh, a widow, her only son, and Jesus was able to minister to her. Okay? So people basically in bondage from the consequences of sinful decisions, people broken hearted by other people's actions, 
Okay? Um, so many people in situations without God to intervene for them or to comfort them. Okay? So where are they going to find help? How are they going to hear? Okay? So this is what he saw when he looked around. And you continue in verse 36, because they fainted and were scattered abroad. So, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah, you know, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all gone onto our own way, okay? And then, so there's, there's, a, uh, uh, there's a scattering there of sheep going their own way and they're not under the shepherd and they're not safely in the fold. They've gone away and they're out in uh, a dangerous and a troublesome area, okay? So we saw people scattered abroad, each one having turned to their own way, as sheep having no shepherd, as sheep having gone astray. People trying to hide their faces because all have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. But of course, the Bible says no one can hide their sin. Like we can hide, we can hide our sins from other people. Okay, it's pretty easy, unless you know we've got government surveillance. Maybe not then, right? <laughs> but it's it's pretty easy to put up a front, to put up a brave face. Okay, but the Bible says in Hebrews 4, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, in God's sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God sees everything, okay? And this is the kind of, you know, the wrath of God abided on people. And there's, you know, they can say in Revelation, oh, I want the rocks to fall on me, and I'm, you know, I, I, don't, want, I don't want to face the face of God and answer for what I've done or who I am, okay? And this is, this is the kind of, separation that, that Jesus sees because people have sin, okay? Um, so it just goes on. That's, that's basically the second point. I'm not really using my uh, PowerPoint, am I? <laughs> he saw multitudes. I thought that was an interesting photo. He saw suffering and he saw separation. I didn't turn to Isaiah 59. It says, but your sins have separated between you and your God. Okay, so the will of God directed Jesus it was a mission that, that God put upon him, even from before his birth. The lack of God, when he saw the lack of God, God wasn't in the lives of the people that he looked around and he saw. There was just sin, and there was suffering, and there was a great need. And of course it was overwhelming, even for Jesus, right? And the joy of God motivated him. So we've just talked about a lot of suffering. We're back in John 4. But what do I mean by the joy of God? So in verse 36, he says here, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. So here there's a personal joy. You know, it's not just a joy, um, you see, you can, it's not a separation or like a joy that someone else's. Oh, um, Gavin has a joy there and he's over there. It's not my joy, it's Gavin's joy. He's having a good time. That's nice to see, but it's his joy, right? But this is a personal joy, not just a father's joy or another. And that joy, um, you know, we read in Hebrews 12, who for the joy that was set before him, um, what does it say, endured the shame? There, uh, Hebrews 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, um, um, the joy was that Jesus was able, he was able to reach out and help these people, okay? He had an opportunity to do it. You know, um, is it Apostle John in the book of Revelation? He's, he's weeping and he's crying. He's like, who's going to be able to open the seals of this book? 
and then he's weeping and someone says, it's all right, the, the line of the tribe of Judah, he hath prevailed to open the seals. Okay? And Jesus is, is come and he's able to fulfill his mission. He's equipped by God. Okay? Um, and he, he's able to see that joy ahead of him and bring that joy by faith into the present. I hope that makes sense. So, you know, when it says in Ezekiel that God called for someone to stand in the gap and he, found, he looked for a man, but he found none. When Jesus stood up, in, in a sense, and he stood up our advocate, and he was able to um, be victorious. So Jesus saw that victory that was ahead, and he saw the peace that passed understanding on the faces of those people who would trust in him. And that was a joy that he could hold on to. Okay? Um, the Bible says Jesus took captivity captive, and what does it mean by that? Um, you know, the Bible says that the devil can take people captive at his will, and they are captive, all right? And it talks about the captivity was when the saints were down in the heart of the earth waiting, obviously, for um, the resurrection to happen. And Jesus, when he, when he said, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost, he went down into the heart of the earth. And he was able to take all of those people who were captive, take captivity. And he took them captive because he was a stronger man. Remember the stronger man that would, um, if uh, someone comes in, you're, um, and there's a weaker guy that comes in, your, your goods are safe. But if a stronger man comes in, he's able to overcome, and he's able to take take away <laughs> that which is being protected. So this is Jesus, Almighty God. And, and look, go to Colossians 2, just for, uh, there's just one word I want to home in on. Um, I love it. <laughs> it's a good word, right? So um, Colossians 2.15, talking a little bit about um, Colossians 2. I'll go from 14, because that's also an awesome verse. <laughs> so it says, blotting out, Colossians 2.14, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, right? this is what Jesus has done, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So Jesus was able to just glory in his victory. You know? <laughs> we see people when they score goals and stuff, and they're all like, yeah, you know? <laughs> and they're glorying in it. Well, Jesus was triumphant, and he was able to come down to captivity and say, he preached unto the souls that were there, and he was able to preach truth and righteousness, I guess. And he said, all right, lads, let's go. <laughs> and he took them all up into glory. It was amazing. Well, the Bible says some of them actually rose from the dead um, after an earthquake, after Jesus, uh, which was cool. And they were in Jerusalem many days, and then they went up maybe at the ascension. I don't know. You should study your Bible. All right, so it was no joy, and it was a shared joy. Okay, so, you know, joy is good. Um, I, I guess the best way I could describe it is like, you know, a lot of us, um, you know, if you go traveling or you see a site or something like that, something is cool, like uh, the Grand Canyon or something like that, and you go, wow, that's, that's great. So immense and huge and amazing what God did here. But it's even better to say, isn't that awesome? And look at someone who's with you and share that joy together. All right? <laughs> so, um, you know, that joy that if you prayed about something and God answered your prayer, it's good just to come up to someone else and go, we were praying about this. God answered it. Isn't it amazing? And everyone's like, yeah, you know, and it's just awesome. But that's a shared joy. So Jesus doesn't have that joy alone. He said, my joy I give unto you. And you can share that joy too. The joy of the Lord is our strength, the Bible says. Okay? And that's why I love to hear testimonies. And, you know, Eric's got us on a cliffhanger here with the John Harper. But those stories are great. You should read some of these missionary stories. They're absolutely amazing. And, uh, I mean, you probably heard the name David Livingston because, you know, there was a lot of science in that as well when he was um, 
uh, touring the, the African continent. But if you just read his story and the things that he endured and the things that he saw, um, he got mauled by a lion on the shoulder. <laughs> it's just amazing to read these stories and God kept him um, safe and guided him through these things. It's great uh, testimony and that's another shared joy. So the father's joy became the son's joy all right, as he, he did the father's will and Jesus was able to share that joy with his disciples. Like I just mentioned that to you there. And I hope you've been able to share in that joy. I hope that Jesus has given you that joy and that peace that passes understanding too. And then of course, it's a, a, I'll skip through this pretty fast, but it's an eternal joy. Okay? A lot of us, we're on a fleeting, fleeting joy. Some video goes viral and we go, ha, 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 and then it's over, right? <laughs> um, but this joy is a joy that fades not away, along with our salvation. It says in 1 Peter 1.4, that fade it not away. It's, it's evermore. We, can't just, we just can't comprehend that, okay? You know, we go over to a friend's house and you share a fellowship and stuff and you have a joy for a while and then it's over and you go home and you're too tired. All right? <laughs> but this is forevermore, okay? So this is the joy that motivated him, something that he saw by faith, something that was ahead of him, okay? And something that he chose, maybe the temporal comforts and this sort of stuff, he chose to put them aside for the joy that was set before him. As I said, I said in Colossians 2, I got ahead of myself there. It was a rewarding joy, and it's a joy that pays. Um, um, yeah, you actually preached that whole thing already, okay? So when it comes to the burden and passion that Jesus had for the world, we can see in the Bible that it was certainly worth it to him, wasn't it? Okay, so there was nothing better he could have lived for, and nothing better he could have given his life for. And by the way, that world includes you and me, and the souls of our loved ones, past and present. Jesus died for all, okay? So now the question is, of course... This is the hard part, right? <laughs> if it was worth that much to him, why does it mean so little to me? When I look at my heart, why do I conclude it's easier not just to dwell on these things than to be ashamed and humbled at the condition of my heart? So obviously the challenge this morning, after reading all those things, all those scriptures, um, is to not turn our hearts away from these things and just try and forget them and let the word of the God fall to the ground as we go out the door and home to have our lunch, or whatever it is that we're going, okay? But we need to turn unto the Lord and, and, Lord and seek his help, okay? So basically we just need to acknowledge, Lord, I'm cold for these things. I'm not even lukewarm. How often do I think about souls? How often do I speak up? Is it easy, it's easier to keep your mouth shut? It is, okay? But if you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. And we look at the persecution and we go, so I don't want that, and that shuts me up, Okay? But if we did those things, if we thought about the will of God, thought about the need of that person, and if we thought about the joy that it would be if that person got saved, or if we had a part in that, they don't have to go away saved, we just have to sow the seed, and someone else can reap that. And we can rejoice together in heaven then after that. Okay? So the Bible says in Zechariah, it says, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you. For if ye turn unto the Lord, you turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that led them captive. This is Second Chronicles 30, sorry. So that they shall come again into this land, for the Lord your God is gracious and merciful, and will not turn away his face from you, if ye return unto him. Okay, so that's what the Bible says when it means when we, we draw an eye to him. We, ex we just acknowledge the fact it's a confession. Lord, this is where I'm at. It's, I'm not proud of it. I can't do anything to fix it. But you can. Can you help me? Okay, so... That's basically my first point. How can we develop a burden for the lost like Jesus had? Basically with a repentant heart, okay? Because when we get through that phase and when we actually um, repent, okay, 
Um, we're going to look at it on Wednesday night, the second part of Psalm 51. Um, you know, uh, David is saying, create in me a clean spirit and renew a, a, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And then he goes on in verse 12 or 13, I think it is, and he says, then shall I teach sinners your way. I'll be free then and I'll be able to open up my mouth because I won't be burdened down by the things and the struggles that I have in my heart because you'll be able to take them away. Okay? So it, it, it starts in the heart first. Um, with a repentant heart. I have a scripture here. I think I have time. Second Corinthians 7.11. You can join me or you can leave it. I'll be really quick. Oh yeah. yeah. So in verse 10, 2 Corinthians 7.10, he says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And he's saying, For behold, in verse 11, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. He's talking about something else, obviously, and um, a problem that the Corinthian church had. But he's saying, once you, once you clear that out, it just enables you, and it fires you up, and then you're able to do what it is. You have the strength, you have the ability, you have the relationship, you have the direction that you need okay, to, to move forward. And then, um, after you've sorted out the will of God and you've aligned yourself again, it does take a renewed priority. So a lot of us are busy, there's things to do, urgent things come at us all the time, okay? Um, but and we're so busy kind of dealing with this, I'm, I, um, Jardine likes to call it firefighting. I love that phrase or whatever. Like, oh, I'm wrong with firefighting, just <laughs> get the fires down or whatever, oh, you know, and you're just trying to keep control of the situation and it's just so overwhelming. But, um, you know, when we, when we create that space, then we'll be able to lift up our eyes and we'll be able to see the need and the suffering that's around us, the lack of God in this crooked and perverse nation, okay? And it, it, that, all of that, hopefully, the Bible, um, if the Bible is right, and is it? Yes. Okay? Then, We'll be able to, the Lord will direct us to what changes in your habits, what clearing of your schedule do you need to do? What just one thing? Just bring a track with you somewhere. <laughs> okay? Uh, I was writing this down and I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to give a track to someone. Okay? I was in a coffee shop. And then I looked around and went, I didn't bring a track with me. I didn't prepare. Okay? So they say, failing to plan is planning to. And I wasn't able to do that even though I was in the Word and I was like, ah, and I couldn't give someone that track then that I wanted to give them. So I need to renew my priorities. <laughs> and that's something to repent of, that I haven't done that, okay? Or I didn't do that in that situation. And then the final thing is with resolve, all right? So this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, okay? You can write something down on your planner, <laughs> but does something on your planner always get done? Not on mine, anyway. I don't know about you. <laughs> you can have all these great plans, <laughs> And then you come across your planner next week because you didn't look at it and you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's something I didn't do. I don't know if you're ever like that. But resolve doesn't quit when the going gets tough. We need resolve, okay? This is coming from the Lord now. Resolve understands that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. People are people and we make mistakes. But like pastors teaching us, falling yet not failing, we need to just get up again. Get back at it, all right? <laughs> Keep swinging your arms, <laughs> all right? Um, Resolve guards against getting distracted with the vain things of this world. Netflix, YouTube, you know how it goes. Um, when there are more important things to be done, okay? Resolve says literally, 
bring on the pain. <laughs> the Bible says, think it not strange considering the fiery trial which is to try you, as though strange, some strange thing happened unto you. And it says also, ye have not resisted unto blood, not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So we haven't tried that hard yet, have we? Rizal says, I'm standing on the promises. And it says, not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And Resolve says, it's worth staying the course for an eternal joy and glory which are to be revealed in us. And when we see someone struggling, we don't look around just to judge or to condemn them. This is where the Bible teaches us to restore one another in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, the Bible says, lest thou also be tempted. So, in essentially, you know, it doesn't matter who scores the goal, everybody wins, right? One soweth, another reapeth, they rejoice together. End of story, okay? So, I talked about all that kind of stuff, and of course, I can't let it go. Um, how can you have a Jesus' burden for the lost if you don't have Jesus in the first place? Okay? So, you know, if you're still yet in your sins, like all of these people that we just talked about here, in great need, the Bible says, come unto me. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay? And obviously that takes acknowledging the fact that of all sinners, I'm probably cheap, and I am. Yeah. And acknowledging that Jesus can and will save you. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Amen. So, if you don't have the Lord, you can have the Lord this morning. <laughs> you could become a son of God right here. It's an unbelievable thought. And for those of us who are, you know, we just need that jolt. We need that, that shot in the arm. That group that are coming over, they are going to be on fire. There's about 25 of them or something crazy. They're just going to be like, <laughs> all right. But when they come, try and make some time in your schedule. Come out. Come out with us. You know, they're going to be handing out leaflets. Um, it's always an encouragement when someone comes over. And um, their passion, it's like that red hot ember in a fire, can help you too. Okay, And you can work through some of the things that maybe you're struggling with. Um, if you're humble enough and willing enough. You know, that kind of idea. But if you're too busy, then... God can't help, you know, that kind of idea. So let's pray and we'll finish up. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time we've got to spend in your words. Thank you, Lord, for, for Jesus, Lord, being willing, willing to go to the cross, Lord, for a sinner like me. Thank you, Lord, for his love, Lord, and thank you that he laid down his life, Lord. Thank you that he did your will, as it were. Thank you that he was victorious, Father. And thank you, Lord, that um, the application is, Lord, that he, now he's he says, so send I you. He sends us out, Lord. And we need to be the ones with the arms and legs, Lord. We need to be the ones with a heart like Jesus so that we can uh, get our legs and our hands, Lord, to move like Jesus' would with the gospel, Lord. Gospel is good tidings, Lord, for those. There's no shortage of people who need you, Lord. So I pray, Lord, you'd help us just to reach out, even just to one soul, Lord, that that might be something. You see to start doing something, Lord, and you can do the rest. So we pray that you would um, just bless these thoughts to our hearts, Lord. Pray that you would work. And um, we just want to say we love you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you've done for us, all you will continue to do. And we're excited, Lord, for that day when you come again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.